Welcome to Step Into the Story. Incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Welcome to Step Into the Story, where each episode is a powerful conversation about God, the Bible, and the story of a life changed. Each time we get together, we explore the intersection of God's story and our story. And it's just, I can never wait to hear what God is going to teach me through these conversations. And I'm especially excited about today. I want to introduce you to Ellen Vaughn. Ellen, welcome to Step Into the Story. Thank you so much for having me with you. Well, Ellen, um, I, I enjoyed your bio. Um, you know, I mean, a best-selling author, written more than 20 books. Um, some of them made the New York Times bestseller list. Um, that is amazing. Um, I have a friend, Ken Boa, who always says his, his editor assured him that his next book was going to be a, a, a million seller. And he goes, I have about a million in my cellar if you want to come see him. So to, exactly. to, to all of us who put pen to paper, um, it is with a little bit of envy and jealousy, but mostly just deep respect. I'm, I'm excited to hear the story of how God has unfolded your life in such a way that, that he's using you this way. I know about your education at Georgetown and University of Richmond, and um, that for years you served with Chuck Colson at Prison Fellowship. And, you know, all of, all of those things are certainly part of the story, but I I so appreciated um, in your bio how it ends up. Um, let me let me just read this, everybody. It, it says um, that Ellen is she enjoys reading, hiking, drinking coffee, and staring pensively at the ocean, and also mentions being a parent and a grandparent, including of one clueless dog. Um, Ellen, you would have no way of knowing this, but my wife's name is also Ellen. <laughs> and um, before I was leaving the house today, I said, hey, will you pray? Will you pray for this podcast? It's somebody I haven't met before, but her story is going to be great. And, and my wife goes, yeah, well, tell me her name. I forgot her name. I go, her name's Ellen. And she's like, I should remember that one. But um, <laughs> if we live closer together, there is zero doubt in my mind that you and my wife would be good friends. Um, she also loves reading, hiking, drinking coffee, grew up going to the ocean. She's a Carolina girl. And we also have a clueless dog by the name of Chipper, who's a blue healer with a beagle head screwed on. So I feel like we already have a number of points of connection, but I'm so looking forward to hearing your story. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. How does a person decide at, at what point did you decide I want to be a I want to be a writer? That is how I want to spend my career. When did that click in for you? Do you remember? Well, the way I tell the story, which may not quite be the way it occurred, but uh, when I was young, a friend was living with us for the summer, and uh, she was reading a book out loud. And I don't remember how old I was, maybe 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. And I remember that the reading of the story, it really connected with me. And I saw these pictures in my head that the author had created through the power of words. And 
I felt things to be true that I couldn't have articulated for myself, but they, I felt them. I, I resonated with them. And the book was The Screwtape Letters by oh, C.S. Lewis. Wow. And so as an earnest young person who loved books and loved reading and was nerdy, and uh, I felt like, oh, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a writer. Now, many have aspired to be a writer, and none of us might be able to reach C.S. Lewis's caliber, I think. But early on, I can say that I, I just had that desire planted in me and sort of a sense of recognition of I love the power of story. I love people. As I got older, I love interviewing, as, and I love travel to exotic places and just hearing the stories of people and how God has invaded their lives, often in particularly hopeless situations. Uh, so that was, was uh, you know, kind of the dream. This is what I want to do. Majored in English, went to Georgetown, got a master's in English literature. I thought it would be, <laughs> a, you know, a, a rich trove to write great classics, I guess, from or something. But um, anyway, and then I'm wandering the streets of Washington, D.C., you know, looking for a job. And at that time, everyone looked in the newspaper for um, ads for jobs. Sure. But there were not any ads looking for great writers. And I wasn't a great writer anyway. But so... Um, as God would have it, I ended up uh, working with Prison Fellowship, and Chuck Colson really became a mentor to me. And I began working with him on his book projects. We had this strange sort of resonance uh, with one another, and I learned so much from Chuck. And then that also created relationships with publishers that in turn segued into the life that I really love, which is writing as a vocation. Wow. So early on, I mean, it was through reading that <laughs> you learned the power of a story, you know, the, the impact that words can have. But do you remember the first time when you ever personally wrote something and and you saw that same response in people or, or the same result from your own written words? Do you remember any of those early, early moments where hmm. God kind of affirmed, Hey, Ellen, you're on the right track here. Well, I think when someone asks a question like that, it's best to go with the first thing that pops into your mind, right? And oddly enough, I wrote a story when I was still young, you know, um, probably pre-high school, pre-middle pre school. And it was about something I felt very deeply about. It was about my relationship with my nephew who has intellectual disabilities. Mm. And I felt fiercely protective of him, and I loved him just deeply. And I wrote a story about Jeff, and I remember that when people read it, they cried. Hmm. And there was that sense of, yeah, they, they, something connected through the pages there, you know, of, of how I feel transmitted to them. So wow. really, Phil, that's the first thing that popped into my head. No, that's... That's probably the best way to answer that. You're right. Yeah, because it's, there is a, I mean, that's part of, of calling, not just in the sense of you know, wandering the streets of D.C. looking for a job or even a career, but a vocation, a, a calling. Mm -hmm. And um, so many times other people affirm that, you know, in us mm -hmm. before we even buy into it ourselves. And I, I just think that's so cool that God gave you a glimpse 
of that. And, and it started with a passion, um, a relationship with somebody that you deeply cared for. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that comes through in your writings, you know, even, even to this day, you ought to be really encouraged that that's one of the hallmarks of the, of the things that you write. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm intrigued is, is your book about Elizabeth Elliot becoming Elizabeth Elliot? Is, is that your most recent project or have you done some things since then? It is the most recent book. It came out in September of 2020 and, uh, I am working on its sequel now. As I got started with Elizabeth Elliot's enormous life, I realized it could not fit in one volume or the book would weigh about 50 pounds and people wouldn't buy it, you know. So we needed uh, two volumes. And so the first, Becoming Elizabeth Elliot, is her early years. It's about, as the title infers, it's about her really uh, growing in very surprising ways into the resolute, powerful, faithful woman of faith that she became. And a lot of that was shaped in through a lot of pain, uh, not just Jim Elliott's death or husband's death in Ecuador while they were missionaries there, but also other losses over the years. So the first book is about her time in Ecuador primarily. Second book goes into the rest of the story. Okay. And... Does yeah, that have yeah, a title so that's yet? that's yet to come. Does that have a title uh, well, yet? Well, if you have any ideas, that'd be great. I would think if the first is becoming Elizabeth Elliot, maybe the second is being Elizabeth uh, Elliot. That's exactly I don't know. what I wrote down. That's exactly <laughs> what, because I thought remaining Elizabeth Elliot. No, then I'm just like being Elizabeth Elliot. And yeah. for, for our listeners, many of whom will be familiar with Elizabeth Elliot, um, a powerful writer herself, a great communicator, um, a leader, a woman in a lot of ways ahead of her time in terms of the ministry she was willing to say yes to. Um, but, you know, as, as, we, as we turn the page on a new generation, there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who are not familiar with her story. And, I mean, it's you couldn't do it in a volume. How are we going to do it in one episode? But, <laughs> but uh, especially that um, that early event um, with with her husband Jim. Um, I went to Wheaton College, and mm. so I I heard the story early of the the death of her husband Jim and and four other guys who were all missionaries there, and. I had gone to Wheaton kind of in spite of the fact that it was a Christian college, not because it was a Christian college, um, had grown up in a hyper-conservative, really legalistic background. And uh, my parents were not that way, but our church was. And had I was about an inch away from walking away from my faith completely. And my parents bribed me. I was At that time, I was pre-med. And last thing I ever wanted to do was be a Bible teacher and um, they said, if you'll go to Wheaton, we'll pay wherever you want to transfer to, we'll pay half of your education. Um, but you got to go there for one year. And I, oh man, I was counting the days during orientation till I would walk out of there the next spring. And God ambushed me is the only thing I can say. And a lot of, a lot of students whine about chapel. Chapel intrigued me. I couldn't believe that there were, there were multiple ways to serve God. You could do it through any platform, any career. And somebody gave me a copy of Through Gates of Splendor. 
And I, I, I read that story of, of the five missionaries. And um, for our listeners who haven't heard it, you're better wordsmith than I am. Can you just in a, in a few sentences capture that story uh, so we all have that as common background for our conversation? Sure. Uh, as I was writing the book, I was mindful that people of my age may have grown up hearing this story, but tons of potential readers who are millennials and younger would say, who is Elizabeth Elliot and why should I care? Right. You know. And uh, so Elizabeth Elliot, many years ago, was a young missionary in Ecuador, middle of the last century. And uh, she and her husband were part of, of five uh, missionary couples who were working with various indigenous uh, people groups there. And they all had a common vision to try to reach out to a very violent, unreached uh, indigenous group who lived deep in the jungle and speared to death anyone who encroached on their territory. And so the five men went to go to them. Uh, overtures of friendship had been extended. It seemed like it would work out. And the five men were all savagely speared to death. Mm. And Elizabeth Elliot, she's a young widow. She's 28. She has a 10-month-old daughter. And she prayed a prayer uh, that was classic Elizabeth Elliot. It was, Lord, if you want me to do anything with the Waodani, with the people who had who had killed her husband and friends, I'm available. That is amazing. And, yeah, I think I love that prayer for, for whatever we're facing, right? Lord, whatever you want me to do about X, I'm available. Hmm. And so she prays that. And I, as I tell in the book, I mean, through a wild set of of um, events that only God could orchestrate. She ends up with her tiny daughter going in and living with the Waodani, with the people who had killed her loved ones. And it was really through her and Rachel Saint, another courageous missionary who the two of them went in together, that the Waodani, who had never heard of any other way to live than this brutal cycle of violence and revenge killings. They were in the business of exterminating themselves themselves mm-hmm. back in the day. They they saw a different way to live through Elizabeth Elliot and Rachel Saint and a demonstration of this is what forgiveness looks like. I guess. And mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't a verbal message. It was an incarnational message, if you will. They went and lived among them. And so Elizabeth Elliot spends a couple of years in the jungle and has many wild adventures. And uh, many of the Waodani, not all of them, but many decide to follow Jesus, to follow his trail, as they would say in the jungle. And um, Elizabeth comes back to the U.S. Valerie goes off to school and she, Elizabeth, starts writing books. She writes about two dozen books. She's on platforms all over the world because she had an incredible capacity to crystallize biblical truth Yes, in a, in a way that, um, sorry to use the same metaphor, but like a spear to the heart mm. that, wow, that I, oh, that's true. It's inescapable. And so uh, that is why I think she's a person whose story is worth telling. And 
I feel like she's somebody whose faith was authentic. That's a buzzword today, but she wasn't interested in religion. She wasn't interested in sort of Christianity that you described that perhaps was legalistic or or rules-focused. Her time in the jungle stripped away everything except a desire to, who is Jesus and how, how do I follow him? And what does the Bible say about him? What is true? And then one of her quotes I love, so she says, you know, if uh, if something is God's will, then the dangers surrounding it are irrelevant. Wow. And that's the kind of spirit she had. And, and so I love that quote, you know, if a thing is God's will, the, the inconvenience surrounding it is irrelevant or the embarrassment or the, the whatever. Uh, she was like uh, just a an arrow shot out, and she didn't focus on what other people thought or what was conventional for women right. back in the 1950s. And uh, so there's a lot there, I think, to admire and to a lot of transferable truths that come out of her life that have been very helpful in my own journey. And that was my hope for readers, wherever you are in whatever situations, there are truths here that pop out that are, that we all can resonate with. Yeah, there's, I mean, you look at some of the issues the church is facing in this generation and, Mm. um, you know, grappling with whether that's the role of women in leadership or various things. And somehow or other, Elizabeth was able to navigate all that with just tremendous resolve, and yet in a in a pretty winsome way, um, that has opened up a lot of doors for for now a, a new generation. But wow, that's I, well, I don't know what I would could... be I don't know what would be harder the facing your fears <laughs> or or facing you know your unforgiveness um, going back into that situation. But anyway, I cut you yeah. off. What, what were you going to say, Alan? Well, two things. Now, one is of the five widows, none of them struggled with a difficulty in forgiving the Laodani. They had such a sense that these were an indigenous people who who did not know any other way to live. And they also had a sense that God's sovereignty reigned over even this horrible loss for each of them. And then the other thing I was going to say, Phil, is you mentioned Winsome and it has been so um, interesting for me over the course of interviewing so many different people about their experiences with Elizabeth Elliot, particularly the older Elizabeth Elliot. She was a woman of many strengths, but sometimes her personality was not winsome at all. (laughs) And she could be uh, very abrupt. She could be severe. I mean, I remember my first impressions of her were, I admired her a lot, but I wasn't sure I liked her much. Yeah, yeah. And and as I got to read all of her private journals, as I saw the woman that maybe she didn't reveal to other people, I liked her a lot. Uh-huh. And I wish she had shown more of that when she was on the platform or when she sounded sometimes uh, not, I don't want to say strident, but, but um, she had such a strong discipline that sometimes perhaps one could hear her and not have a strong sense of God's grace. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, I mean, that's that balance of speak the truth in love. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm probably the other side of that spectrum. And it's like, sometimes I'll compromise truth for the sake of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you go, that's not mm-hmm. right. And yeah. probably yeah, Elizabeth is on the other that. side. <laughs> yeah. She'd be on the other side of that. And, you know, together there's probably balance in that, but I don't think mm-hmm. most of us hit that individually on any given day for sure. You know, you had yeah. me, you had me at the title, by the way, um, because that word becoming just mm-hmm. shines the light on process. And I think, mm-hmm. I think we do mm-hmm. a disservice. I've been doing a series um, of different courses for walk through the Bible um, called the biblical character series. And, you know, we've done David and Ruth and Mary, the mother mm. of Jesus and different ones. And I think we do such a disservice, not only to those Bible characters or, or more contemporary heroes of the faith. We bronze them. We set them in these trophy cabinets. You know, they never struggled. They never had faults. And um, that word becoming is, is it. And I'm glad it took you a whole volume for that, because if you shortcut that part of the story, then you really lose the impact of, of what God does in, in the rest of the story. But, um, mm-hmm. man, I mm-hmm. wish, ah, I want to take a break right now and um, just hear a word about one of these courses that we've just released at Walk Through the Bible. Uh, and so listen to this, and then Ellen and I will be back to continue our conversation in a minute. Thanks for listening to this episode of Step Into the Story with Phil Tuttle. We wanted to take a quick pause and tell you about a new small group Bible study from Phil and Walk Through the Bible entitled Refuge, Finding Home in a World of Change. Refuge is a story of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, and it took place during the time of the judges. It was a time when Israel indulged in radical individualism, frequent wars, and idol worship. When we look at our world today with pain, confusion, displaced people, a pandemic, and the fear and loss it's created, things seem awfully similar to the time of Ruth, where so many are looking for home in a world of constant change. We invite you to explore this great new Bible study, Refuge, and discover how God used a grieving widow, a faithful foreigner, and a man of standing to show us how we find our true home and refuge in Him and Him alone. You can find out more about this new resource by visiting walkthrough.org slash refuge. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot org slash refuge. Hey, take a walk and change the world. So when we were talking a second ago, we talked about the idea of becoming Elizabeth Elliot. And um, Ellen, was that a conscious choice? Did you choose that that title? Did your editor or publisher do it? But I, why is that word so important? Well, the reason I really wanted to focus on the notion of becoming, and I, I think that popped into my head for the title was that I wanted to show this woman of God that many people do know and revere and kind of put on a pedestal. I wanted to show her as she was. And the thing about writing biography, especially to a, quote, Christian audience, is sometimes it's not that people come across, as you said, like a bronze statue or like a caricature or like everything was just lovely and it all tied up with a bow in the end. And that's not how real life is. And human beings, look at the Bible. 
great heroes there. They all had their warts, their weaknesses, their mistakes. And yet the, the powerful way that God uses broken human beings, that's the story of the scripture. And that's, that's really the story of this book or any book about a follower of Jesus is that God will use us, God will work in us in spite of ourselves. And so I wanted for Elizabeth Elliot to be more accessible, to be someone with mm-hmm. whom the reader could relate, because we're not looking for, for hagiography. We're looking for, for real, authentic heroes. And uh, I find people much more interesting in terms of characters if they have those those foibles, those quirks, those those things, and uh, otherwise it becomes a very static sort of a story where it's all uh, in black and white, and there aren't the gradations that come for the rest of us slogging through our, our normal human lives. Oh yeah, in a book or a movie, a TV show, there's nothing yes, worse than. Yeah a one-dimensional character. I mean, where does it go? Where's the conflict? And and mm-hmm. the other thing, I think so often people will walk away from that and go, well, that's great. I'm glad that works for her. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad his life turned. It, it's not working that way for me. I don't know if God loves me less or if the problem is just with me and I don't believe him enough, but there's a disconnect there, which is, is mm-hmm. just about mm-hmm. fatal to a real right. relationship with God. Um, I mean, you, so how did you get past the, you know, the bigger than life reputation of Elizabeth Elliot? Take us into um, the process of your research a little bit, because it's, this isn't one of those books where you just, I just sat down and started typing and, and <laughs> off, off, off we went. I mean, you dug deep. Um, give us a glimpse into some of the things that you did. Yeah, I don't think those books exist where, yeah, I Probably sat not. down and no. they just started going. <laughs> <laughs> or if they do, they're really bad. But that's another uh, rant that I could go on. Uh, early on in this book process, Valerie Elliott Shepard and her husband, Walt, drove to my house in a pickup truck, and they had... Uh, all of Elizabeth Elliot's journals, which have never been published, oh, um, private papers, Jim Elliot's Bible, uh, all of the this memorabilia. And I felt like an archaeologist. I mean, touching the past through these documents, through these artifacts. And it was really through the pages of those journals that I saw this Elizabeth Elliot, who I loved. Uh, and I saw this person who was hilarious, who had a very um, uh, great wit and sense of humor, who struggled, who wept, who uh, went forward. Who And as I read those journals, it was wild. It was like I was living her life at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I was living my own strange life. And uh, that, that was a powerful transmission of her character her personality, which, as I said before, I wish she had revealed more of in her own right. Yeah. And so the the journals were pure gold. I wish you could see my office right now, which is a wreck, but it's it's filled with these journals from the time she was eight years old. That one's written in pencil. Mm. It says, no boys allowed. (laughs) (laughs) And, And then up through, you know, by the decades, they're all numbered, and they go into her seven. And 
So it's a life unfolding. And for me, looking at those pages, I don't know if you're a journaler, uh, but page by page, the life unfolding. And it was very surreal because I knew how the story was going to end. And she didn't know, you know, it was unfolding in real time. And it made me think constantly of that verse that I think is somewhere in Psalm 139 about that that's the chapter about I am fearfully and wonderfully right. made, O oh Lord. And um, oh God, all the days ordained for me, were they not all known to you before I even came to exist? Were they not all written in your book? And because of some uh, life and death struggles that God uh, allowed me to be going through at the same time that I was writing this book, uh, that type of, of um, sense of God numbering our days, of the, of the sweetness of his presence with us, with Elizabeth Elliot, with any of us, through horrible times and great times, was very real to me. So those journals were the first thing. They were amazing. And the second was all the great saints of the faith, people at Wheaton, people, Elizabeth Elliot's best friend, family members, her brothers who were just amazing, uh, all kinds of, uh, I, I feel so rich in terms of the people I got to uh, meet and spend time with uh, for interviews. And then the third thing I have to say that made it all come alive and, and hopefully transmits through the book is I went to the Amazon and deep into the jungle and lived with the tribal people, with the Waodani. Uh, and two of the men were still alive at the time who had killed Jim Elliott and his colleagues. Unbelievable. And I'm telling you to sit, you know, 60 miles deep into the Amazon jungle wearing rubber boots so you, you know, snakes won't get you and by the fire at night with Minkai, with this guy who... Uh, so many decades ago did not know any better and was part of that spearing party that took the lives of those missionaries. And I'm sitting with him decades later and we don't speak the same language, but we have the connection that supersedes language of the Holy Spirit. And his face is just so full. It's open. It's joyful. He loves Jesus. And I'm sitting there, a sinner saved by grace. I love Jesus, too. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was like a party by the fire, I'm telling you. And that, so what I'm trying to say, I guess, is the book had so many um, really life-changing moments within it that resonated so much with my own journey mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. things we know to be true. So those, that's kind of the way I went wow. about it. it I, I, I would sit at my desk and look at these piles, millions and millions of words, and these journals and correspondence and think, Lord, I cannot do this. Yeah. And day by day, deeply depressed but obedient, I would keep, <laughs> keep at it. I think that's the job of the writer. And uh, in the end, by God's grace, uh, we ended up with volume one. So. Wow. I read someplace you said, I was not a biographer, but a steward with a mundane mm-hmm. but sacred task. Write the story. And uh, when I read that, I couldn't help but think of the four gospel writers. You know, even mm-hmm. with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that was still hard work. How do you, <laughs> how do you summarize all that you've seen? How do you, 
how do you, you know, put it down in, in such a way? They didn't even know how many cultures that truth would have to cross and how many centuries it would span. But still, what a, what a responsibility, what a stewardship. And, you know, you, there's Elizabeth Elliot is not Jesus Christ, but um, you had a similar challenge as the gospel writers. And um, thank, you for, thank you for being faithful with that task. I, I well, love, that comparison makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I hope it does. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I cringed no even when I saw it, but I, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, hey, that's what God brought to my mind. So um, yeah, be, in, yeah. be encouraged by that. Um, yeah. You know, as you researched and, and wrote this, Ellen, you experienced your own version of Step Into the Story, which is what we call this podcast. I mean, you're, the intersection mm-hmm. of your life and Elizabeth Elliot's life, you alluded to it a minute ago, um, but, but take us into what was going on in, in your life during this time and, and how God used Elizabeth's experience um, to connect with you and encourage you. Do you, are you comfortable talking about that? Well, uh, I, I hope so. Cause I did put it in the last two pages of the book. And so I'm not I felt, that far yet. So there you go. Ah, okay. Caught you there. All right. So, uh, I, I feel like I've always been a person, whether I'm speaking at a conference or writing a book where I feel pretty transparent. Cause I think that's how we really help one another in community mm-hmm. is, is in sharing our stories. And uh, so as God would have it, uh, at the same time that I began working on this book and I had all those journals I just described and I'm doing tons of research and and getting inside Elizabeth Elliot's head, if you will, through the journals, uh, my husband has a very rare, aggressive, malignant brain cancer. And uh, it had already been diagnosed, but uh, we went through a crisis that looked indeed like like uh, he would lose his life. And so uh, he had a, a 21-hour brain surgery. He is in intensive care in the hospital a few months. And I found myself reading Elizabeth Elliott's journals in uh, hospital waiting rooms, operating room waiting rooms, intensive care uh, and at the time, reading about Jim Elliott's death at a time when my own husband's death did not seem to be abstract, but in fact imminent. Right. And and I think that was no mistake. I think the way God works in creating books, reading books, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's organic. And things will surface that are of help to the reader or the writer. In my case, writing this book and reading those journals, even as Lee was going through all of this, was incredibly strengthening. Mm. And uh, I should say that that he survived those, uh, that surgery and all of the many, many months of rehabilitation. And um, though he's still in long-term disability, he is still here. Yes. But it's an ongoing thing. This kind of cancer, it's not going to, I mean, God can do anything. But uh, indeed, it seems like it is here to stay. And at some point, I feel like we're doing whack-a-mole right now, or you, you whack out tumors as they come. But um, perhaps at some point, that will not be effective. And um, he'll go on to heaven. But again, 
I found in, in thinking about Elizabeth's story, reading her convictions, which take you right back to the scriptures. If anyone loved the Bible, it was Elizabeth Elliot. And so it would, and I found that the rock of our faith that's described throughout the whole story of the Bible itself, that rock had held Elizabeth and that rock held me. And it holds me every day as I wake up to uncertain uh, things in, in my own life. And every reader of a book or, or this book or every listener to a podcast like this, we all have suffering in our lives. And I love how Elizabeth describes suffering. She said, because <laughs> sometimes we could think, oh, well, my husband wasn't speared to death, so I haven't suffered. Untrue. She would say suffering is having something you don't want or wanting something you don't have. Wow. And using that definition, I think we all experience suffering every day. And the fact is, is that God, God designed that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Like, oh, great. Thank you. you know, but he has overcome the world. He will be with us always. And these, these bedrocks of our, our faith are true. And so for, for me, in the writing of the book with the conflation that God brought of what was happening in my own life and reading Elizabeth's life and, and just his work as I'm about the journey of becoming Ellen Vaughn, we're all on a journey of becoming, right? Right. Uh, on that journey, I, I felt such a, I've probably not been more joyful um, at any other time in my life, even though circumstances are not particularly cheery all the time. Uh, and that comes from the reality of what is our faith really, and does it hold? And for me, the answer is yes, it does. Well, I cannot think of a better place to land this conversation than right there. Ellen, thank you so much. And for all of us who have been listening, not just to you relating Elizabeth Elliot's story secondhand, but your own story firsthand to know that when everything else is stripped away, there is a bedrock of truth mm. that lasts, that holds. And uh, I, I do pray for you, Ellen, that, that God would give you a lot longer with Lee and for your, for your kids, for your grandkids to be able to have him. And that more than anything else, the words that you've written um, that, that that truth you would experience in your own life. And really, I pray that for all of us because we are all in the process of becoming. And, uh, and there's lots of times I don't like the methods God uses. I really exactly. don't. That, that count it all joy when you experience various trials. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. there's nothing joyful about the trials, but the fruit, the result of that is something that deep down we all crave. And um, you've helped us to look past the process and see the purpose, um, see the value in it. So thank you so much for, for being my guest today. And um, I'm going to pray that you, that you just have an even closer encounter with God as you write being Elizabeth Elliot. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ellen. Well, Phil, thank you. And let's do it again after volume two. I, w I would love to. You know, everybody, every time we get together on Step Into the Story, it's exactly this connection that we're after. 
because it's not just God writing his story in the lives of famous people or people that we think, ah, she has it all together. No wonder God connected with her. It's, it's in the messiness of life. It's in the struggle to believe. It's in the dark nights of the soul when the doubts hit us that God wants to be closest to us. So whatever you're going through today, I, I pray that God uh, would, would just get through all of that and you would allow his story to intersect with your story. If there's any way that we can help you at Walk Through the Bible, we'd love to do that. Check out the resources that, that we have available for that. And I would love to hear from you. If God has used this conversation in your life, email me at phil at walkthrough.org. That's just W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G, phil at walkthrough.org. And um, I cannot wait till we get together the next time and explore with a new friend how God's story and our story intersect. We'll see you then. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk through the Bible. Take a walk. Change the world.